There's one basic question that comes up here again and again at NWEA. Do teachers actually want what we sell? Uh, It's a fair question, and it's important that both sides keep asking it. So we stay on course and give schools and educators something functional, useful, and transformative. On this episode of the Continuing Educator Podcast, we'll be talking to Misty Hodge from NWEA slash Little Rock, Arkansas. She's an advocate for educators in a world where their voices need to be heard. And she works to make sure teachers and administrators have a seat at the table as we build our assessments and services. Misty Hodge is a partner advisory board lead and product marketing manager for MAP Accelerator here at NWEA. Misty has over 25 years of experience in K-12 and corporate education and has taught elementary students as well as middle school students and high school language arts, English, and speech and communications. Misty joins us today from Texas. Welcome, Misty. Thank you. Thank you. I am so glad to be a part of this podcast today. Misty, you have such a huge variety of experiences as an educator. Um, Could you world build for us a little bit more? Could you tell us about your journey as a teacher? Why did you become an educator? Uh, How did your how'd your journey start? You know, first of all, I never thought I would be on this journey. I didn't find teaching, uh, but teaching definitely found me. Um, As a first time substitute teacher in a fourth grade classroom, I realized that I wanted to teach, which meant I wanted to help students, mentor teachers and support parents. You know, that substitute teacher sitting in that chair would walk through doors and experiences that included both challenging and rewarding work. So you started out as a substitute teacher. That's like way harder than starting out as a teacher. <laughs> I did. I started out as a fourth grade teacher um, for in the middle of the year. Oh, my For a gosh. teacher who left for various reasons. And my first day was parent-teacher conference day. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yay! Right? Yeah. And it was uh, exciting. It was surprising and unexpected. Because remember, it was my first time ever teaching ever. Okay. And um, after I navigated the conversations with parents, uh, made promises that I wasn't sure of, (laughs) I just, (laughs) I knew in that moment, I really did. It was like a light bulb that turned on and I knew that this is what I wanted to do. Missy, I love that. What's your, what is your favorite story of your time in the classroom? Oh my goodness. You know what? So many different things, but I'll tell you that I worked in an alternative middle school. Um, That's not where I was a substitute at. By this time, I was a teacher. It was a couple of years afterwards. Um, And we had a ropes course. Have you guys ever heard of ropes course? Girl, it was how I made my money in college. I was a ropes course facilitator. Yeah. So I'd wake up and I would set up all the stuff, like climbing in trees with my hard hat on. And then I I would be like the team builder facilitator, like helping teams work out their communication and an integrative yes. team style up in the middle of the branches. I was the grown man in tears with shaky knees, five feet off the ground. So I was there for you, man. <laughs> Jacob, that was me. That was uh-huh. me. But we had, uh, because I worked in this alternative school, um, we had a ropes course on site. It was outside. It was on site. And um, the ropes were uh, the two trees. Right. It was about 25 to 30 feet in the air uh, and about the same across. And my students, 
they bet me that I wouldn't do it. Now, let me just tell you something. I feel like a bet has to work both ways. And so I told them that I would do it. Now, in my mind, I was like, I am not doing this. I'm not doing this. You are not doing this. We are adults. We don't have to prove anything. But I told them, if I do this, that means that you have to turn in all your homework for the next couple of weeks. Everyone has to show up. Again, alternative schools. So there was some different things going on with uh, several of my students, but they had to turn in all their work. They had to show up and no complaining. And you know what? I did it. I did it. I couldn't believe it. I was scared, but I did it. I told them to record it because I was never doing it again. It was one time and it was over. And the next year I just showed the students that I did it because it was something that we did with the students every year. We did the ropes course. But you know what? I just felt like the risk was worth the reward. And the students, I built a partnership with them in that moment. It was a partnership that would last even throughout graduation because this was sixth grade. And I have students right now that still talk to me through social media and say, do you remember when you did the ropes course? And I would, I, I say, yep. And you remember you turned in your homework for at least a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did that all start with a double dog dare? I just, oh, you know, it was a double dog dare. <laughs> I mean, and almost a triple dog dare, oh. right? Uh-oh. <laughs> but it was recorded, so I was safe, and that was fine because I, I decided in my mind that if you do it one time, you won't do it again. That's great. But it was fun. So, Misty, how did you uh, find yourself here at NWEA and blessing us with your on one-time-and-one-time-only ropes course presence? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Um, assessments were and still is one of the hot-button topics in education today. You know, as a teacher, I wondered... Who made these assessments? Uh, Where did they get the information from? Uh, And if they considered the voices of the user and NWEA is well known and it was well known when I was in the classroom. And I really wanted to. The reason why I came to NWEA is because I wanted to amplify my contribution by having a seat at the table uh, in that assessment space. And I wanted to be able to go back to those schools and those teachers who had the same questions that I had and, and provide some type of explanation, right? Uh, and, and then bring their voices back to say, hey, this is what teachers think about assessments or this is what they don't know about assessments and we need uh, some, some uh, teacher-friendly language around it so that they can feel at ease and know that this is something that helps and not hinders. Well, it seems like you're kind of uh, segueing into this question that I'm really excited to ask you, because I think our mission on this podcast is to just get real, which is why I loved um, kind of our, our opening premise of this of like, what um, if, if, if NWEA teachers are always vigilant about like, what, what are you trying to sell me? And and we want to make sure that we can toe to toe with that question with integrity and with confidence and, and with humility and making sure that what we're what we're offering at NWEA is meeting a need. It was need first, offer second. Yes. And so what do companies like NWEA get wrong when they don't do what you're saying we do, which is listen to teachers? What do they get wrong when they don't listen to teachers and administrators who use their products? Oh, Kaylee, this is such a great question. You know, um, think about it. If you exclude the voice of the educator from the process, then you run the risk of creating solutions without knowing or understanding the problem, right? It would be equivalent to throwing darts in the dark. More than likely, you will hit something, but (laughs) we don't know 
if it's the target, right, that you were initially aiming for. And so that's why the voice of the educator is so important in the process, because they will materialize the solution for you. Mm -hmm. Right. When the educator and the innovator communicate, you are able to solve problems and move the needle forward faster. And it's such a huge team. It's teachers and administrators, researchers, students, parents, all misty. You know, it's, like, it's all <laughs> Haley, <these people>. right? <laughs> yeah. And making we, sure we that we are <laughs> we're creating yeah. solutions that really move the needle on education. Yeah, you yes. know, we talk about uh, multiple data points in the classroom to get a true picture of where a kid's at. I think what you articulate, Misty and Kaylee, is. Uh, multiple data points to get things right for what we bring back to the classroom. And so I guess that's the the, the flip side of the, the coin I want to ask you about, Misty. So when a company like NWEA values strong partnership with educators, then what happens? You know what, when the educator and the innovator communicate, you know, like I said, then we're able to solve problems and, and move the needle forward faster. You know, there's an old adage that I, I like to say, and it's people use what they help build or create. We need a seat at the table. We need to be invited to the table because we're already at the table, if you think about it, because we're the end user, right? Mm -hmm. And so we can tell you best about what is going on in the world and environment that we live in every day, that teachers live in every day. Yeah. It's like, it reminds me of the design thinking cycle. The whole, um, this first step is to empathize you know, and make sure that we're asking questions that get us at, like you said, Misty, not deriving a solution that isn't meeting a problem. It's like, it's kind of like um, trying to come up with a, with a medicine or a vaccine or a nutrient when we don't really understand what the ailment is. Um, right. And who better to understand it than the people who need it and who use it, right? And, and then you think about something like COVID hitting, right? Mm -hmm. And so now what do we do? Now, what is different? How does learning look now in the midst of COVID? That's another opportunity to invite teachers to the table, educators to the table. And when I say teachers and when I say educators, I mean administrators. Mm -hmm, I mean right. parents. I mean students. Counselors. Let's invite the right counselors. Uh, invite them to the table because they are those end users. And don't get me wrong, we do invite some of these people to the tables. But what I've noticed is, is that we usually miss the educators mm. who are using these resources and tools and supports in the classroom with students. And just to kind of clarify what what we're talking about with these solutions that we offer are our assessment tools to make sure that we are actually collecting a uh, objective data on whether or not what we're doing is working and and if we don't know if what we're doing is working then not only can we not replicate it but we can't like spread that gospel of what's working to other schools and and have people learn from them and so i want to kind of help people understand exactly what what you're about misty so at nwea we call those schools and educators those big teams those ecosystems we call those our partners and you lead NWEA's partner advisory board. So can you tell us a little bit about that work just to anchor us in, in, in your voice? Absolutely. You know what? It's a, it's a great segue. Um, the partner advisory board um, is a, you know, to be a better resource to our end users, we have to stay connected and keep our ears open to what is going on in the market. 
And so that is what the Partner Advisory Board does for us. Um, they're educators, they're administrators, they're superintendents, they're teachers, and they constantly provide us feedback on strategy, roadmaps, and ideas to kind of make sure what we present to the market is usable, is accessible, equitable, valuable, meaningful, mm. and, and relevant, right? And so some of the conversations that we have had um, in the Partner Advisory Board, and just remember, uh, the Partner Advisory Board is set up for uh, teams in the org to present in front of it. So when I'm saying strategy and roadmaps uh, and ideas, these are people in the org, the marketing team, you know, the research team, teams like that UX team that comes before them and say, hey, what are your thoughts? The PD team, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so we've had conversations about equity. We've had conversations about the story of next year, you know, learning during COVID. Uh, we've had the opportunity to influence uh, resources and tools like Project Antos, right? And so these conversations, we've seen them leveraged in a way where the org went back and said, hey, because the end users, the educators, the partner advisory board said this, then we need to think about this or we need to consider this. It's You're kind of making me think of like, we are a cereal company and um, we don't know if we make good cereal until we like, you know, do that thing that you see on TV where you like put all the little kids in a room and make yeah. them eat the cereal and watch them through a window. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're constantly like sitting with kids eating cereal, hearing their opinions about it. Like, <laughs> That's right. And these are, um, you know, these are educators. Anytime someone presents in front of them, I always say, hey, ask them anything because they don't wear their hearts on their sleeves and we don't want to go in wearing our hearts on our sleeves. They are going to be very honest with you about what they need, because remember, this is their seat at the table and they need to make sure that you hear them and that you get it right. And so they ask a lot of questions. They say, nope, that doesn't work for us. Or what do you mean by that? And, and remember this this really is uh, a quick opportunity to learn something, right? And then go and validate it with the masses. And that's what the Partner Advisory Board does. It gives us an opportunity. I've had people to email me and say, hey, we have this idea. We want to push it out, but we need to get in front of the PAB team. Can we right interview now. them? Can right we? now. But right. It, it's an immediate solution and opportunity to get something right, to get that feedback you know, back immediately before we make a decision that, you know, we want to make sure we want to validate it. You know, Misty, um, so much of what you're saying is resonating with me. I, I got to squeeze in here. My first job in education was a playground supervisor. Oh, story gosh. some other time, but you know, with a, you <laughs> yes. know, ended up making connections with staff and, and, and got in there and, uh, you know, being a teacher really kind of changed my whole life trajectory. That being said, a lot of what we're talking about here are, you know, uh, external partners to K-12 systems. And a lot of those people, while almost all of them were teachers, haven't been teachers for a minute. And so the notion here, I mean, this is the same reason why Kaylee is my co-host, this authenticity of uh, not I used to be in the classroom, but what's the classroom like today? Well, that, that important feedback loop. And you can already see, I mean, we've had great seasons so far. I would argue Kaylee is my partner here. This is the this is the best one yet. And um, oh, Jacob, you never oh, said he never says so that nice. kind of nice stuff uh, off the mic. <laughs> Gosh. Um, but, but no, in, in all seriousness, I, you know, in, in to that end, a few years ago, I took a break from my external partnership role to go back to the classroom yeah. because 
it is, you know, we learn a lot even when we are um, not in the classroom and the opportunity to go back and, and try those things out with kids are important. All that to say, this is a long-winded preamble to a question, Misty. The first time I went and met with the partner advisory board you run, it's been a few years ago, you know, it was actually that board that said to me, um, you know, we use map growth data to, to, to measure longitudinal growth. And of course, we have proficiency scores, but, but you are a critical measure to how we um, uh, kind of, uh, well, I suppose, measure and then articulate uh, the, the health of learning in our buildings. And in that way, school improvement plans and markers, you guys it would be a great help to us if you leaned in uh, to provide us some support in systems improvement, school improvement. And, you know, and now we have this relationship, this great relationship with the University of Chicago Impact Group. All of that came from a willingness to listen to partners, to educators, to systems in the field saying uh, this wasn't our idea. That was their idea. Can you please help us with this? And you know what? Now my question. That, yeah, go ahead, amazing. Misty. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead with your yeah. question. Well, so that really kind of expanded my thinking and, and our uh, thinking as an organization. What are some ideas or comments that you've heard from partners, from practitioners that have really challenged you or changed your thinking in uh, the work that you do? Oh, my goodness. That is that that's a great question, too. You guys are full of great questions. Thank you. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I had a partner remind me um, because I've been on the other side of that table as well, listening to presentations and solutions. And we have what you need. We can help you. We can support your growth initiatives with your students and your teachers. But I had a partner remind me of something during a sales conversation. And she said that, you know, when you include the educator's voice, all you have to do is provide the solution. But when you exclude their voice, you have to sell a product because you have to convince them that they need it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so I was like, oh, my goodness, that's a light bulb moment. You don't have to convince me of something that I need right. because you've asked me and you've done the research and we've had the conversations and, and the interviews. But if I am out here and it is really hard for me to leverage this product in front of you, then I might need to think about where your voice is in this. Where did I get this information from? Again, I don't have to convince you of something that you know you need because I elevated your voice in creating this. I hope that answered your question. I, oh, Misty. I, okay, so. Um, That's excitement, people. I see it in the room. I don't know I, if you can hear I it. I can't like, my, I, wish it, I wish we were on camera because like I just, it's like, yes, that as a teacher, as a teacher who has um, worked in the ed tech space alongside teaching for a while now, um, and as a, as a, as a, educator, a practicing educator who's also worked at companies that have something to sell to teachers. It um, Sometimes I have felt like I am standing on the shores of Lake Icky. Like, like <laughs> just yes. having to like use what I know about education to then turn around and try to make something palatable or seem necessary or seem urgent and we're meeting teachers' needs when I know that I'm, I'm not fully in it. I don't agree. And I 
that that is not something I find here and that's why I'm here and that's why I, I yes. can so authentically like speak joyfully on this podcast because I feel like you're exactly right and and the the key to getting teacher voices in is early and that's what you said this is like a early immediate step and that's how we leverage you know uh PAB we we want to consistently uh give the org the opportunity to leverage early. Even though we may meet um, once a quarter, we still have opportunities to interview, um, to uh, push out um, opportunities, and your, and your questionnaires. on the border, they're not, they don't go dormant. You know, they're, no. they're a part of your life. No, they, and I'm going to tell you how much of a part of, um, we are a family. Even when I offboarded them because um, we are, we have some transitions going on, they emailed me and said, can we just do one more year? You know, we just love it here. We love it here. And I said, well, why do you love it here? Because we're heard. We have a seat at the table where we are heard. But not only that, we're listening as well because we are listening to the other educators around us tell us how they are leveraging NWEA solutions in their campuses. We're taking notes, we're asking questions, we are following up. And so some of them have taken some of the insights from other people on the board and implemented it into their systems. It's like, it's not only a one directional dialogue, it's not NWEA learning from educators, it's this this net, uh, this web of everyone learning from everyone, which is the whole point. And when you have a company like NWEA and as big as we are, it means that we can reach, like we have a reach, we can extend the learning and pass along what we're learning is working and what what isn't and, and make That's sure that right. we are part of the what is. The what is, and guess what, Kaylee? We don't have to convince them that they need it. Because they are doing that for us. Yeah. We're not selling. We're meeting we're a need. Not. It's the design thinking cycle. We're providing. Well, right? and like, and part of our, another one of our solutions that um, this little math teacher is, uh, is really excited about, you know, more than, I'm sorry, I'm always going to be more excited about what we're about to talk about than the map growth <laughs> assessment, because it's a map accelerator. Um, can, you t- <laughs> can you tell us a little bit about math accelerator, what it is? Spoiler, it's amazing. And why, um, why math teachers need and want and deserve a tool like this one. You know, I, um, I always take the opportunity to speak to educators and, because I want to elevate what they are saying. I think it's an amazing tool. I think it's an amazing solution. I am excited about talking about Map Accelerator and leveraging it, but I feel like it is more important to tell you what they are saying. And so I, I spoke to a math teacher the other day and, and she said that she needed something that met students where they were, which meant that it was intuitive enough to understand student differences in skill levels, but robust enough to scale students up, right? And so that's exactly what Map Accelerator does. You know, teachers need a partner. Just think about it. Because it's usually one, her, or him, and 30 students. Mm -hmm. And when I think about Map Accelerator, that's what it is. Map Accelerator is a partner. It partners with her. It partners with the teacher to support all students and make sure students are getting the tools, the skill support that they need when they need it. 
it makes differentiation so impossible and it helps us avoid this pitfall um, that we see in literacy as well where we, we think oh this is what you're ready for which means that it's prohibiting you from accessing rigorous grade level content so that you are always kept up to speed and kept competitive and, and given the instruction that you really do deserve right now while also meeting the foundational needs that you that you might have because of COVID or because that's that's the way this student's brain is wired or for any other reason, Map Accelerator, um, just to help any listener who hasn't heard of it before, um, is powered by Khan Academy and it's really a digital supplemental math tool. So it's accessed via computers and it's it's um, as little as 30 minutes a week, grades three through eight. They're hopping in and based on their map growth scores, which are automatically rostered in, you're yes. welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, these kids just hop on and are given specific skill sets to practice tailored exactly to them where they need it so that the teacher's responsible for on-grade level instruction, what they do best, um, but they're not responsible for being also a fourth grade teacher is not also having to be a third grade teacher and a second grade teacher and a first grade teacher. Like, well, and, you, and you know what it does? It, it, it gives you, because there's one teacher, 30 students, it essentially gives you 30 teachers. Yes. Right? It supports the student right there with that, that, that partnership with the teacher. And so that is what teachers are always asking for. They are asking to provide students with something that they need that is going to help them in that moment. And, and Kaylee, I, I would be amiss if I didn't say that we have research that backs that up. We recently released research that said, hey, we decided to go and see if this actually works. And the research says that it does. It is working and teachers like it and students like it. And I can say as a as a non-researcher and as a math teacher, I've seen the research and it is objectively true. It is <laughs> so we didn't just pick and, yes. we didn't cherry pick what we wanted. It's, no. it's it really works and it's crazy. And it's because Map Accelerator came out of a need that we were finding in these partner advisory board discussions of, great, I know where my kids are. What do I do with that What's knowledge? Next? What do I do? What next? do I do next? And, and, and I will say this, that um, the teachers, they, they love the assessment, but you're right. It's figuring out how do I implement with success? What do I do now? What is my next step? And that's what Map Accelerator does, at least for um, for those students that, uh, for math. Misty Hodge, it has been an absolute pleasure, uh, speaking with you on the podcast today. You know, this notion of, I, I'm reminded of the song, what the world needs now is love, oh. sweet love, but, <laughs> I love that song. but what the world needs now, uh, is a lot of listening, right? Uh, we, yes. we want teachers to listen to kids. We want administrators to listen to teachers. We want education companies to listen to the schooling ecosystems. You're an important lever in making that happen. So any parting words you would have all of our listeners listen to uh, from your lived experience and wisdom? I love that the world needs more love. That's a, an amazing note, pun intended to uh and on (laughs) (laughs) oh and also uh misty we love your podcast voice thank you you guys your (laughs) voice is so chill oh guys uh catch misty this summer at um nwea's conference fusion in atlanta Atlanta. uh literally hot it's june 27th through 29th so we're gonna have to be hot that is (laughs) absolutely uh 
Listeners, we are winding down what I think is our best season yet, season four. We'll have uh, maybe a little bit more for you coming. But as always, if you like what you're hearing, uh, like it, follow it, share it with your friends and colleagues. Uh, Certainly, uh, as Misty has led us uh, here today, the more we can listen to and hear from each other, the more we get the good ideas to change practice in our classrooms, to help one more kid. uh, And all of that uh, uh, has impacts beyond what we can know. So that's it for us today here at The Continuing Educator. I'm your co-host, Jacob Bruno. I'm Kaylee Rhodes. And we'll see you next time on The Continuing Educator.